Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. spirit. That's what we're, we're focusing on during this series, walking by your spirit. And last week we hit on a biggie. We talked about uh, how each of us have unique passions, but all of us have a universal passion. That every human being has this divine passion implanted in them, and it is the chief passion that is to govern every other passion in our lives. What is that chief passion? To know God intimately. To know him personally and intimately. To walk through every moment of my life knowing his affirmation is upon me. Knowing, knowing his affirmation in my moment-to-moment life, knowing his guidance, knowing his provision. This is the passion that is in every human heart. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, He also has planted eternity in the human heart, the New Living Translation says. He also has planted eternity in the human heart, a divinely implanted sense of a purpose, working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. I love that which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. This is the passion that all of us have in common. And as universal as it is, it can be suppressed. It can be misdirected. It can be, uh, uh, we can attempt to fill it with other things. But if knowing God intimately is not the passion of your life, then all of your other passions will be limited and misdirected. It's when we make knowing him intimately the reason we're living that the rest of us falls into or grows into an alignment with him. And our passions become aligned and and directed and divinely employed. So this passion is huge when we talk about walking by your spirit. And this, uh, our example is, is Jesus in this passion. And when I say passion, we'll talk about the passion of the Christ. They're talking about the suffering of Christ. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this uh, fiery desire to know the Father, okay? Jesus is our example in this. You know, Jesus, when he... When he uh, met his disciples and others, he would say, follow me. Well, he wasn't playing uh, 
um, you know, like Simon says, I'm going to raise my right hand. You do. Follow me means imitate me. Imitate me. Not the way he dressed. His heart relationship with the Father. So when you're reading in the gospel, you see Jesus says, follow me. What's he saying? I want you to imitate my heart relationship with the Father. Okay? Religious tradition doesn't understand that. They focus on the outside. But Jesus says, I want you to imitate my heart relationship with the Father. I want you to imitate um, the way I walk with him. Let's look at Psalm verse 40. Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. And this is, this is the heart of Jesus. This is what he wants us to imitate. He says, I delight, I take great pleasure in. I, I, it pleases me more than anything to do your will, oh my God. And your law is within my heart. I fully embrace everything you said. You're the pleasure of my life. And uh, Shalise, can we put up there Psalm, uh, let's see if I have it right. Go, uh, actually, um, oh, this is powerful. Psalm 37.4, 37.4. You can do like New King James is fine. Um, this goes right along with this, uh, Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the pleasures, the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I want to combine that with Psalm 48. I delight to do your will, O God, and your laws within my heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the pleasures of your heart. Stay with me. And when you choose to make pleasing him the focus of your days and nights a fire will be ignited in you. And this fire will, will purify your desires. And, and people have asked me over the years, you know, how do you, how do you not give in to temptation? How do you, why does that not tempt you? And, and it's, it's very simple. I want him more. I want him more. I want him more than, uh, than uh, an immoral activity or than the pleasures of sin. I want him more. He's much better. <laughs> right? I, I grew up on homemade food, and as I got older, I went to other people's houses. They didn't have homemade food. I thought, man, I'm, I want what my mom makes, you know. This store-bought stuff just in the same. It's like when you have the homemade stuff, forget about it, Right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you choose to please him, that fire, that, that fiery passion for pleasing him will purify the desires of your heart. And it will cause desires to grow in you that wouldn't grow otherwise. I'm talking about the deepest kind of living you can live where he is your passion, and it's universal. Now, along with that verse, I'm sorry, Shalise, I don't think I put these in there. We're gonna, can we go to uh, Philippians 2, 13? And can we do it in the Passion Translation? 
Philippians 2.13 in the Passion Translation. This is very powerful. So we're, we're, our desire now, above all else, first and foremost, is to bring him pleasure. Philippians 2.13 in the Passion Translation says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. God will continually revitalize you and planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Living for yourself is very stressful. Just being real with you. We've all done it. Okay? When you, are the, when you walk into a room or into a place and you're the focus of what's in the room, that's a problem. We want to shift our focus to ourselves to him. All right? We want to shift the reason that we're getting up in the morning to him. We want to shift our time on this earth. And it's good to step back and say, how long am I going to be on this earth? Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever your goal is, if it's 120 years, it's all about knowing him. It's all about knowing him. Right? If I could leave you with anything, I would leave you with this. Make him, knowing him, the passion of your life. He, God, will continually energize, revitalize you, and planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Why would God do that? Because this is where life abundantly is found. I had desires inside of me as a young person that were very strong. But it wasn't until I gave my whole self to Christ, I discovered things that I didn't even know were inside of me that I never would have discovered had I not pursued him above all else. So however old you are, if you're a young person, listening to this, age 12, or whatever age you are, I want to exhort you to make him your passion. Because there are things man can, cannot do for you. There are things man will never understand about you. There are questions man doesn't know to ask you. There are insights man doesn't have about you because he made you. And when you give him your whole self, he will, he will bring to the surface all that he put in you. And it's a wonderful thing to be, to be one and living with the one who made you and letting him guide your days and your nights and bring everything to the surface and enable you to employ it at the right time, at the right place, in the right context with the right people. Only he can do that. See, you're way deeper than you realize. Way, you're way more intricate. Way more, uh, there's a whole lot more to you than you understand. <laughs> I love uh, watching shows that talk about, you know, uh, DNA and RNA and the, the, the makeup of the human body. And it's just amazing. You know, they take, if we take your DNA and unravel it, how long it would be and all the, it's just like, wow. But there's so much to you, only God can handle and care for you properly. 
but he can't do that unless you give your whole self to him. He can only work in the areas of your life you'll allow him to work. He can only move in the areas of your life you give him. Hallelujah. See, this is the essence of walking by your spirit. It's not, you know, making hot coals and then trying to, you know, zone out your flesh and walk across them without feeling. It's not any of those things. It's making him the passion of your life. It's not trying to levitate. It's not trying to to enter this different zone of spiritual awareness like, like the world teaches. It's giving your whole self to him. And as you do that, your spirit begins to take the lead because your spirit's been united with him. Now, have you guys ever seen those Snickers commercials? And they, they invented a new word, hangry. You guys know that word? Hangry. It's you're angry because you're hungry, right? <laughs> In fact, uh, one of our Kids knows that word very well. Uh, Mariah uh, went right along with that, hangry. So, um, but I like those commercials. They make me laugh. You know, someone, I forget what, like someone's like a a fierce lion and and then they take a bite of a Snickers and they're the sweetest person on earth, you know. (laughs) But do you know that there is a real hangry in life? And you're not the same person until you get it satisfied. Your life satisfaction is found in pleasing the Lord. It is. I'm not talking about works. I'm not trying about, talking about trying to do good deeds. I'm talking about he, making Him your pleasure. Your life, the totality of you is found here. It's found here. And I think we kind of miss that sometimes. We talk about so many other things, but the, everything that you're angry about will be resolved when he becomes your passion. You know, it's funny. When, when there's times, you know, we respond to people in a certain way and we wish we wouldn't do that, but it's really not the people that are the problem. It's the, we're not at peace inside because maybe we want a certain thing to happen or we're wrestling with this or we're disappointed in ourselves but this fixes all that God is the only safe place there is he is he is only he's the only true shelter we have I'm just trying to get out what's inside I hope this is Resonating. He's the only safe place there is. He's the only uh, hiding place there is. You are my hiding place, it says in the Psalms. Hallelujah. So every human being is really hangry. Did you know that? Spiritually speaking. You know how your body is when you're hungry, right? 
and, and you just, you don't feel the same. It gets to a point where you do get kind of touchy, right? Well, we understand the physical symptoms of hunger, but what are the spiritual symptoms of hunger? Easily stressed, afraid, anxious, get offended. These are signs that you're hangry, and all you need is a Snickers bar. No, what will satisfy that spiritual hunger? Not everyone around you changing. That's not going to happen. <laughs> not your family coming to say, I'm sorry that we, you know, did this to you 20 years ago and please forgive us. That may never happen. No, it's, it's in here, the fire of the Holy Spirit. You choosing to passionately know him and please him for the rest of your life. Making him the passion and pursuit of your whole person. This is where it is. This is where life begins. Hallelujah. Look at John 6, 63. See, your spirit needs organic food. That's become such a, a big word in the last 30 years. Well, longer than that, 40 years. Organic food, right? Food that hasn't been tainted with, right, or any foreign chemicals in it, food that's naturally grown and not uh, tampered with. You know, there's only one place you can get organic spiritual food, and it's from Jesus. It's the only place. John 6, 63, he says, it is the spirit which gives life. The flesh confers no benefit whatever, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. See, the only, the only true spiritual food is the Word of God. We might not like to hear that, but it's true anyway. This is it, guys. This is the only organic spiritual food you will ever find in all of eternity. And it's right here. And I hope you got a hard copy Bible. It's in your hard copy Bible. I mean, you can look for organic food at Whole Foods or try and go to some local markets, but it's not like that in the spirit realm. There's only one place to go. It's to the Word of God. You might as well just settle that. <laughs> I mean, you research it. You do your own studies. Uh, you, uh, you want to be good students of the Scriptures. It was written in Greek and Hebrew, so English translations. We've got to really dig. We've got to, you know, look at the context. But nevertheless, the Scriptures, it's the only place to go to get rid of my hangriness. Okay? It's the only place to go to be whole. And the sooner I settle that, the better off I'll be. All right? So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's the words that I speak to you that are organic. They're purely spirit. There's no religious tradition in them. There's no wisdom of man in there. I'm giving you straight from the heart of the Father, untainted, no poisons in them. Yeah, no ulterior motive. And that's what we need. We need this pure God. We need this pure heart of God flowing in us, and it's right here. So 
get your hard copy Bible and start eating right. <laughs> get that pure, organic, spiritual food, the Word of God. Get it, get it so it's, it's flowing through your whole system. That's what meditating in the Word is. It's not a, I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm just filling my system up. And I know when my system is, is my getting towards E because my joy and peace aren't the same. And I, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not what, walking in, in the joy and peace that, that are mine. And so I start filling myself up again. Hallelujah. Are we still awake? Did I lose anybody? Come on. So God's word's the only pure food there is. There's no other place to go to, to satisfy your life passion. We, we need to know this. There's nowhere, there's no one else, there's nowhere else to go. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm so glad there are no other options. That would be confusing, wouldn't it? I mean, this is too, you're, you're too precious. You're, you're too important to not have answers for. You, you can't be trusted going to, to a man or a woman for an answer. You've got to go to your father. You know, even the Apostle Paul, it was amazing. He, he was not one of the 12. He was persecuting the disciples. But his, his passion was for God. He was just very confused. He was very confused. But he did sincerely want, because he thought what he was doing was right. And God opened his eyes and got a hold of him, and he revealed himself to him. Christ revealed himself to Saul. And actually, Christ appeared to, to Saul and gave him this revelation of the, the many of the epistles. And it was this revelation of the finished work of Christ that is so precious today. But, you know, he said he didn't confer with flesh and blood. He went directly to the Lord and allowed the Lord to teach him. And then he went back to the leaders in Jerusalem and submitted his revelation to them. And they said, you're right on, Paul. That's exactly what he taught. What am I saying? You don't have to go to man. You have a direct line to the one who made you. Are you taking advantage? Are you utilizing that? Do you realize you have permanent, 24-7, intimate access to God? Woo-hoo! With the, the maker of the universe, you have full access to him. But you know what? Even though you have it, if you don't use it, it's not going to help you. <laughs> So go to him. Make knowing him your passion. Time is short, guys. Time is short. It really is. We have, there has never been as much global confusion since the Garden of Eden as there is today. Never. Since the fall, is what I'm trying to say. I, if you're not going to go to him now, I'm telling you, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest things of all eternity. 
Utilize your access to the Father. Don't confer with flesh and blood. Go directly to Him and be determined to get your answers straight from Him. <laughs> now, God's Word Let me see if I, I don't want to go too fast here. Why is God's word the only pure spiritual food there is? Because God's word contains the pure revelation of Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, we see and hear who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him, okay? It's all contained in here. Now, stay with me on this. This is so good. The Father wants you to see for yourself in his word the revelation of Christ, of who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are. He wants you to see it with your own mind your own heart in your own bible that's why he gave you his spirit to teach you how good god is so that when you open this book you will see things that you can only see by faith by a relationship with god he wants you to know for yourself how much he loves you he wants you to see for yourself in his word how good he is let me ask you this question what would be more beneficial in your life? Now, just, you don't have to answer out loud. Let me just ask you a question. What would be more beneficial in your life? To see the risen Christ standing in front of you or to see the revelation of Christ in the Scriptures? Don't say anything. Just let me ask it again. What would be more impactful, beneficial, life-changing to you? To have the risen Christ standing three feet in front of you or to see the revelation of Christ in your Bible? I'm going to show you the answer. Are you ready? The answer is to see the revelation of Christ in your Bible. I'll prove it to you. Are you ready? Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Most people would say, if I could just see him, all my problems would be solved. It's not true. God, God did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus did miracle after miracle after miracle. John says we can't even record him. It didn't, there's some people's hearts that it had no effect on. Right? And seeing with these eyes, God is not going to change you. Seeing the revelation of Christ in his word will change you. Look at this. We're going to look at the risen Christ and look what he does. Luke 24. Now, for time's sake, this is, this is after the resurrection of Christ. Let's get the context here. Jesus has risen from the dead. Okay? This is the risen Christ. This is not Jesus starting his ministry at age 30. 
This is the risen Christ. This is the Christ who walked through the walls and appeared to his disciples. Okay? You got it. You with me? This is the risen Christ and two, two disciples of Christ are walking toward uh, Emmaus. All right? And they're, 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 they're I don't think discouraged would cover it. But the one they thought was going to save the world is dead. Jesus is the one they were following, and now he's dead. And once more, they don't know, they don't know he rose. And they think, they think their hero is over, is gone. And they're, so you get in the context of this. So they're just walking, and they're, they're talking back and forth about it, getting more frustrated by the moment, getting more discouraged by the moment. And the risen Christ comes up to them. Are you guys with me? I'm not making this up. This is the Bible, okay? The risen Christ comes up right beside them and starts walking with them. But I want you to notice he doesn't say, here I am. I'm the risen Christ. He doesn't say anything. Remember, he wants that passion alive in you. He wants you to know it for yourself. And seeing with these peepers isn't going to do it. Luke 24, 14. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. These are the two disciples. So, uh, so it was, verse 15. While they conversed and reasoned that... While they, while they conversed and reasoned... So it was, while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. See, they're, they're so caught up in their own reasonings and conversations, they can't even see Jesus. Sometimes there's way too much talking going on <laughs> and not enough believing. <laughs> so they're caught up in their own conversation, in their own reasoning, and here comes the resurrected Christ right next to them. I love this. Don't you love the Bible? And he draws near, and he starts walking with them. <laughs> but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Wow. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then they begin to explain to him what's just happened. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So they start telling Jesus about all the, oh, all the things that have just gone on to their hero. You know, and he just listens. <laughs> and he was the one that it happened to. Let's jump down to verse 25. He says to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. What is he talking about? The Scriptures. The Old Testament Scriptures. He's not talking about a prophet that was in Jerusalem at that time preaching. He's talking about the written Word of God. Are you with me? I'm going to show you that. Remember, this is the resurrected Christ now. Verse 26, he says, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Look at this. This is the risen Christ. He hasn't said a word about who he is. 
and beginning at Moses. <laughs> that's what's Moses mean? When you see that, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They call them the book of Moses, the books of Moses. So beginning at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and all the prophets, what are we talking about? Old Covenant Scriptures, right? The written Word of God. He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Why? Because when you see it for yourself in here, now you can do it. Jesus appearing to you three foot in front of you, that would be an amazing experience, but it will pass. If you ha don't have the knowledge of him in the scriptures to go with it, it will, not, it will not change your life forever. When you know from the written word of God who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him, no one can move you from it. God knows that. Why? Because his word is spirit. It's pure. Jump down to verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Now actually, uh, they were walking. It's about a seven-mile walk. So, and they weren't necessarily in a hurry. They're kind of discouraged. So they, it probably took a while. But it's, it's getting late now, so they go to get something to eat to turn in for the night. And, and Jesus pretends he's going to keep on walking. And they say, why don't you come in with us? It's, you know, it's late. And so he agrees. He sits down and he begins to bless and, and, and interact with his father before he eats. And their eyes are open. Verse 31. Their eyes were open and they knew him. I love that. And he vanished from their sight. I mean, why didn't he just stand up on the table for the whole inn to see? Then everyone would believe. No, they wouldn't. He, he gave them what they needed to fulfill their destiny. He opened the Scriptures to them and showed them Himself in the Scriptures. Now they had the tools. They had the, they had the resources they need, needed to fulfill their destiny. He didn't need to stick around anymore. He vanished from their sight, verse 32. And they said to one another, remember about the fire we've been talking about, did not our heart burn within us? Fire. God himself is fire. Remember that from last week? Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour. Wait a minute, it's late. It's dark. You're going to walk seven miles back to Jerusalem in the dark? doesn't matter. The fire is burning now. We're going into the night because we've seen Christ in the Scriptures. <laughs> so they rose up that very hour. They changed their plans. They changed their destination. They redirected their course. They stepped out into the night and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and, and those who were, with, who were with them gathered together. So these were not part of the original twelve. 
You see, it's more beneficial to you for you to see the revelation of Christ in your hard copy Bible than it would be to have Christ himself standing in front of you. I'm, I'm endeavoring to exhort you to value this word like you've never valued it before. Okay? There are more copies of this book in the world than there are of any other book. Not even close. But no book has undergone the attempts to erase it like this book has. Still today, the last thing that governments who want to control the last thing they want in their nation is Bibles because this teaches people to be free. Right? To be free, that God made them free. And that's the last thing a controlling government wants. So that's the first thing they'll try and water down or remove or control is the Word of God. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to go to a parable and finish up. You still awake? This is good. I know it's hot and it might be uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, we need this. Well, let's keep going. Mark chapter 4. This is our last passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 4. So for your benefit, not his, God wants to sow, just like a farmer plants seed, he wants to plant his word in your heart so that it will grow and you can enjoy the harvest of it. What does God's word bring? All things pertaining to life and godliness. Life abundantly, wealth, prosperity, wholeness, health, peace, untroubled, undisturbed well-being, riches, destiny fulfilled, the full employment of your gifts at the right time, the right place. It brings everything that you could ever want that, that you were made for. Well, Jesus is teaching a parable in Mark chapter 4, and let's read through it. We'll start in verse 3. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. A sower would be, in other words, someone who's a farmer, someone who's planting seeds. That's what sowing is. We're not talking about a seamstress, all right? And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is he talking about? Receive this with your spirit. Everybody had ears there. He's talking about your heart. Receive my word into your heart. So the sower in this parable would be God, Jesus, and those who preach Jesus. The seed would be God's word, not religious tradition, not the philosophies of men, but the word of God that, the, that Jesus talked of in John 6, 63. And the ground would be our heart. Okay? So the sower is, is Jesus, those who preach Jesus, 
The seed is God's word, not philosophies. The pure word of God and the ground is our heart. Now, down in verse 13, same chapter, Jesus says to them, do you not understand this parable? So they, they want him to explain it to them. Listen to what he says. He said, how then will you understand all the parables? In other words, what I just shared with you is, is foundational. If you don't understand these truths, you won't understand anything else I teach. So I'd say it's pretty important, right? That God sows the word, that God sows a seed, the seed is the word, and that our heart is the soil, all right? If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand anything else Jesus teaches. So he said, how will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word, okay? That's the seed. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So Satan is real. Spirits of darkness are real. What are they trying to do? Keep you from knowing the word. That's right. Trying to just credit it, take it away, keep it from growing in your heart. Let's see, where did I stop? It's verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, and it will, inevitable, if you're going to believe God, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be made fun of. For the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Wow. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. This is a powerful passage here. And in this passage, Jesus is talking about four types of soil or four conditions of the human heart. Okay? Four conditions of the human heart. He says, if you don't understand these conditions, you won't understand anything else about me. Four conditions of the human heart. There's the wayside heart. There's the stony ground heart. And uh, there's the thorny heart. And there's the good ground heart. If you don't understand these, you're not going to understand anything else that I've taught. You with me? So the first one is interesting. It's called the wayside heart. Well, what does wayside mean? Does it mean you're on the side you're not on the way. You're on the side of the way. That's simply what it means. In other words, you're, you're in, the, in the, 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 what do they call it? Nosebleed seats. You're, you're, in the, you're, you're, not, you're not on the path. You're not, Jesus said, I'm the way. You're interested in Jesus. You like 
being around, you know, it, it makes you feel good to come to church, but you're not walking with him when you leave church. So you're on the side of the way, okay? And, and his word won't have any effect in your life. Birds are going to come and Satan's going to steal it right away. Those birds are going to come and eat it right up and you're just going to be unchanged. Yeah. There's the stony heart. Now I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation, verse 17, about the stony heart. It's pretty good. Uh, well, let me start with the New Living Translation, Mark 4, 17. It says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. See, following Christ doesn't mean we don't have problems. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh, who was it just said? When Scott Webb said, or someone I was listening to said, you know, if you follow Christ, you'll have problems. If you don't follow Christ, you'll have problems. <laughs> it's, that doesn't mean it at all. It just means we have the solution to the problem, right? We have the victory, we have the victory over the problem. The, the Passion Translation says, but because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the Word. I like that. If you've ever done any hammering of nails, I like it when you, you, the nail sinks below the surface of the wood. Fails to sink a deep root into the wood. It's hard to get a, a, a sunken nail out of a, two pieces of wood. You really got to work at that thing. Fail to sink a deep root into the word. They don't endure for long for uh, when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. So what hinders deep roots? What keeps the word of God from sinking a deep root in us? Number one would be wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Holding on to wrong thinking. Religious tradition, the ideas of man, philosophies of men, my own reasonings. That, that the word can't, can't sink deeply in, a, in a, a heart like that. So wrong thinking. Another one, harboring previous hurts and offenses. Keeping previous hurts and offenses inside. That, that, that just gets in the way of the word, sinking deep in our heart. What else uh, creates this stony heart? Not meditating on the word and allowing it to sink deep. Take Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, and just sit with it. Trust in the Lord. Let that sink down. It's going to take time. You can't rush this. I only got 60 seconds. No. Set aside time to let the Word of God sink way down to the core of you. You know, eating fast is not good for you. Do you guys know that? That's why we have fast food places, right? <laughs> but I have to, and I still have to make myself chew my food. Slow down when you're eating. Same thing with spiritual food. Slow down. Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Let the, just chew on that for a while. So not meditating in the Word leaves these hard places in our hearts, these stony places. Not yielding to the Holy Spirit leaves stony places in our heart. Resisting what He's leading you to do. See, yielding to the Holy Spirit keeps your heart soft and pliable so God's able to to work with you. You're able to cooperate with God. What about a thorny heart? What would cause a thorny heart? Well, he tells us the cares of this world. Anxiety, worry, fear. I don't know what's going to happen next. I just... Thorn. That's a thorn. Right? Deceitfulness of riches. What is deceitfulness of riches? Thinking that's going to satisfy me. Right? Thinking that that's where my answer lies. If I can just make this much money, if I can just achieve this level of success, then I will have arrived. That's, the dece- that's not, simply not true. Desire for other things. What does that mean? I'm looking to, to other things to fulfill my ultimate passion instead of intimacy with Him. Desire, your chief passion isn't engaged with Him. You're letting other things move you instead of pleasing Him. Now, let's finish up with the good ground. This is powerful. Well, what is good ground? I like how he says it. It's very simple. He said, it's those who hear the Word, they've all heard it, right, and accept it. It's a little word, but let me read you the definition of this word, accept it. Are you ready? Accept means to take something to yourself. You take it and you make it your own. This is a powerful word. It means to give consent to receive it. It means to believe and recognize as valid and correct. Those who receive and recognize my word as valid and correct will bear much fruit. Those who take it to themselves and act on it. It means to submit to and to cooperate with. Those who submit to my word and cooperate with it will bear much fruit. It means to welcome, to take on and take responsibility for. If you're hooked up with him, you will no longer blame other people. That's one of the symptoms of a thorny or stony heart. They blame others. It's not saying people haven't done you wrong, but listen, we've all been done wrong, okay? And we've all done wrong to others. People aren't the problem. Jesus is the answer to every problem, right? So to take responsibility, you know, that's the beginning of healing. When you take responsibility for your own life, a person can't get free from something until they take responsibility for it. It's true. But there's no condemnation, right? But I need to recognize if I'm going to know God, I've got to choose Him. And it's my responsibility to take His Word as valid and correct, to spend time and meditate on it, to worship Him, and to make Him my chief passion. Right? 
to engage in, to become involved in, to participate and cooperate with. I love that. Those who engage in my word, those who become involved in my word, those who participate with my word, those who cooperate with my word, bear much fruit. Isn't this simple? It means to devote oneself to, to concentrate on, and to put your hand to it. Those who devote themselves to my word, concentrate on my word, and put their hand to my word, work it in their own lives, will bear much fruit. Love it. And that's you. You say, well, it hasn't been. Well, change it. Just start today. See, you can do this. You, it's, it's where your life is. This is, this is your bread and butter. The Word of God, receiving it, acting on it. And you won't even be thinking, am I walking in the Spirit or not? You won't be thinking, do I have faith? It's all natural when you focus on who He is and what He's done for you. It's just, it just, yeah, let's go, you know? Accepting God's Word will turn your heart into good ground. Working it cooperating with it, recognizing that it is what, it, what God says it is, that He is who He says He is, that His Word is spirit, that His Word is truth, that His Word is fire, Jeremiah 23, 29. God's Word cleanses our hearts and transforms them into good ground. I love that. Just pop that up there. That'll be our last scripture. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. This is, this is it, guys. If you're looking somewhere else for an answer, good luck, because you're not going to find it. It's in here. I'm not being legalistic. I'm just telling you this is the spirit food you need for every issue of your life, and it's in here. And that doesn't mean you're going to open it and, oh, wow, everything's better. No, you're going to have to spend time with it. You're going to have to dig and study and meditate and speak and believe and worship and cooperate with and work this thing. Okay? Hallelujah. I remember when, and we'll pray here, I'll finish with this story from my childhood. We lived in a, a, a little city there near northwest of Pittsburgh, and it was a tumultuous time. It's when uh, it was uh, the 70s, and there was a lot of racial tension. Uh, the school I went to, uh, the students were, were, were fighting with the teachers, knives, and, and all kinds of stuff happening, and uh, our home got broke into multiple times, and uh, it, was, it was a different kind of place growing up, and my mom wanted to get us out of there. So my grandpa, had, they had a land out in the country. So I was about third grade, and my mom said, let's get them out. Let's get these kids out of there. I think my, we, you know, we were threatened for different things, and my mom was just concerned for our safety. So we ended up moving out to the country and living with my grandparents for a while. But they had a lot of land, and they had these woods in the back part of their land. And the plan was for us to build a home on that land uh, in the back. But the land in the back was a bunch of thorns and weeds and trees. Uh, mostly, actually, where we wanted to build was, was thorns and weeds. So you know what we did to get rid of it? It wasn't good ground. 
It was covered in thorns and weeds. I was probably, I don't know, eight years old, nine years old. How old are you in third grade? Something like that. And uh, so my grandpa got us all together and said, come on, we're going to go clear the land. Talking about good ground. So, I mean, remember my aunt and uncle were there and all of us, six of us, my grandma, grandpa, and I don't know, we probably had 10 or 12 of us, and we, we went out in this thorny field. It, it was several acres, but we, we probably surrounded about an acre of that thorny field. And you know what my grandpa did? He lit it on fire. And our job, we all stood there with shovels and rakes to control the fire. And what did that fire do? It burned up all the thorns, all the weeds, and we just stood there and made sure it didn't get out of hand, and we just let that fire burn. And after that fire was done burning, the land was clear. (laughs) And there was nice, good ashes on top of the soil. And you know what we did? We broke up that soil, and we began building our home. I'm telling you, there are things God wants to build in your life. But there's some fire that needs to be lit in your heart. Would you let him clear the the ground of your heart today? Let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn out the thorns and the weeds, the offenses, the, the attitudes, the desire for other things. And would you choose him? And let him build your dream house. Walking by your spirit. Father, thank you for this time. Let your fire clear the way. Let your fire clear the land of our heart. Let it burn up every thorn and every weed. Lord, that our hearts would be ground that welcomes you, that cooperates with you. We choose to put our hand to your word and recognize your word as it is spirit and life. To fully embrace everything you've said and everything you've done, we're no longer going to argue with you. (laughs) We're going to embrace you and run with you. Hallelujah. You brought us out into a wide open, spacious place of freedom. And we thank you, Lord. Help us to to walk in the fullness of this abundant life. In Jesus' name. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.